Okay, we're going to turn to God's Word now. Um, and uh, I want to just uh, kind of, um, over these next three Sundays, take on a little bit of a journey with me. I, I kind of wrestled a little bit with what to do. Um, there's so much that I've been thinking about, so much I've been kind of contemplating. And, and some of that, as Robin said, will come, and some of that stuff will follow. Um, and I'm very conscious I don't want to come back and go, here you go, poof, cop this lot. Um, but there are some things which I think I have been reading and I have been reflecting on, and God has been teaching me some stuff. And I want to share some of that stuff with you. Some of it comes out of some books that I've read, and I'm going to reference those books. And if you want to go a little bit deeper and take this on a bit further, then if you want to get the books, then please do. Um, not all of the books I've read I'm going to ref- reference, but some of them I will. And so I'm going to share that a little bit with you. Today's, uh, I want to share some thoughts that come from this book. This is one of the books I read right at the start of the time. Um, I was at the, went to the Baptist Assembly this year, uh, something I don't ever usually do, but I did this year. And there was a bookstore, and I'd like, you know, have a little browse at the bookstall. Um, and there's this book I picked up. It was cheap, actually. That's why I picked it up. Um, <laughs> It says, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And the subtext is, it's time to win the battle of your mind. That's the book that that this is kind of coming from this morning. And uh, it's based in Psalm 23. So we're going to read it together. And then just a few thoughts that come from that. So this is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I'm going to focus a little bit on verse 4 in a moment, but the context of this book is verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the Old Testament, the table was a picture of intimacy, a picture of fellowship, a picture of being able to spend time together. And it's something that happens today. Eating together is so important, isn't it? I always remember an hour for that Elizabeth and I were involved with leading, and Elizabeth probably remember this. And we, we, were in, we had the sand band in the lounge, so we were in the Mac room, uh, crowded around these tables eating food. And I remember this one gentleman who sadly is no longer with us now, um, and he said to us at the end of this meal, this is the first evening we had a meal together, the first night he said, this is the first time I've sat down and eaten with somebody for as long as I can remember. And he was in his 50s. Eating together is something around sharing together, sharing life together, intimacy together. And the psalmist says... Our God, your God, my God, our Father prepares a table for us. He prepares it for us. 
He gets the table out. He, he lays it up. He puts the food on it. This intimacy is not, we're not driving it. We're not, we're not setting the agenda. Our God, our Father wants, wants that with us. But the question that Louis Giglio in the book talks about and the, the question that he kind of grapples with through the book is, how many seats are there at the table? Because God sets it with two seats, one for him and one for us. But so often as Christians, so often in our minds, we allow the enemy to pull up a seat and just sit there and feed stuff into our conversations and feed stuff into our minds. And the other thing he talks about is, and it comes out again in that, in that passage there, we often want that in you know, the nice place, <laughs> on the beach, just the two of us, with the sun shining. And the, what does he do? In the presence of our enemies. So with all the, the battle raging around us, with everything going on all around us, in that space, God sets the table. And he puts the two chairs out and he lays it up and he says, please just come and sit with me. Let me fellowship with you. Let me share with you. Let us just spend time together. Forget everybody else. Forget the enemies that are all around us. I want to be with you, just you, just me and you. And that's the context of the word. And, it's, you know, and so much of that is in our minds where we allow, as it were, the enemy to put up a, table, a seat at our table. Um, so if you're interested in getting into that stuff, that's the book to read. But what I want to do before that is, because... That's the context of it. But before that, in verse 4, we have this uh, statement that even though, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, even though I will fear no evil. And the precursor to this being able to sit in God's presence, this able to sit down with God in intimacy, is having this even though faith. And so I want to share just a few moments with you, if possible, this morning. Well, it is possible because I've got the microphone. So um, <laughs> we're going to share for a few moments together this even though faith that comes out of this text. Even though the response of faith. Even though I will. Even though I walk to the valley, of the, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Do we have that same faith? Even though, even though, what is the even though in your life at the moment? What is the stuff that's going on? It might not be death. It could be a whole bunch of other stuff. Even though, I will not be afraid. I will fear no evil. God is there with us. He, the psalmist David expresses confidence in God right in the midst of the discomfort of life. On this Remembrance Sunday, and as we've been reminded earlier, you know, our minds are taken not just to our own context here in the UK, but across the world where there is conflict. 
even though I will fear no evil. And we've heard that testimony come from Ukraine over many, the last couple of years. Christians, the church is thriving and growing. Christians are, are declaring Christ. Even though I will fear no evil. The confidence that we have that he is in God's care. There's another passage in the Old Testament that comes from the book of Habakkuk. I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. How many of us feel like that? <laughs> decay creeping in our bones. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us, though the fig tree does not bud. And there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive, tree, olive crops fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk is pretty annoyed with God. Because <laughs> his people, God's people, the people of Habakkuk, the Israelites, are under attack. And these nations are kind of coming in. And it seems that God's absent. The nation is in an absolute mess. And where is God in all of this? God, what are you doing? How have you allowed your people to end up in such a mess as this? That's how he starts. And that's how, that, that kind of is the dialogue of, of the book of Habakkuk. And at the end, what changes? Nothing. <laughs> the circumstances haven't changed one bit. But Habakkuk's position has. And he says, though the fig tree does not buzz, no grapes in the vine, no cattle in the stalls, no sheep in the sheepfold, even, all that, even though that's all going on, I will rejoice in God. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. When the streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name, but in the land of need and emptiness, in the midst of losing our own a child, Blessed be your name. Yet I will rejoice. Is that our experience? <laughs> even though stuff is happening, even though it's messy, even though it's horrible, even though I don't want this life at the moment, I don't want all this stuff that's happening, even though it's all around me, even though I will rejoice. Because God is... Sovereign and God is great and God is amazing and loving and kind and faithful. Have we got that faith? Do you even know faith? Another passage, this is a story from the Old Testament, one of the kind of famous uh, Sunday school stories. Some of you will probably have heard of this one Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve um, my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if we will not. <laughs> we're facing all kinds of stuff, and God can rescue us, and God can save us, and God can prevent us from being burned up in the furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to give in. Our faith is going to continue. We're going to continue to hang on to him. We're going to continue to rejoice in him. We're going to continue to trust in him. Even if he doesn't rescue us and change our circumstances and give us a new job and clear our debt and give us a new relationship and all the other stuff that we want. Even if he doesn't do that, we're still not going to give in to the enemy. We're not going to give in and doubt, even if we will not. It's that same faith, isn't it? It's there. Is that our faith? Is that what we have? But I want to go on to another section of the Old Testament. This is another book from the book of, uh, section from, uh, from another prophet, Old Testament prophet called Amos. And it's a different context here, but the same words. You'll find this here. This is God speaking. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals, your assemblies, are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And what you find here is God's warning, even though I will not. It's the same kind of language. Even though... You bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings. I will not accept them. We have a warning from God here that God is not interested just in what we do. He's not interested in us just turning up at church once a week. He's not interested in us just putting our money in the, our hands in our pockets and putting some money in the, in the offering plate, so to speak. That's not what God wants. That's not what he says, is it? He says what he wants is justice to roll on and righteousness he wants our hearts and our lives to reflect him that's what he wants we can go through the motions and that's what the people of Israel were doing they turn up at church with their sacrifices while the temple and with all their sacrifices they'd do all the stuff they'd make all the noises and then they'd go out and they'd abuse each other and treat each other harshly and speak badly of each other there was no justice there was no righteousness there was no transformation there was no change of heart it was just the same, just going through the motions. And what Jesus asks, what God asks of us is that he wants us to be disciples of him that change, that, trans, that are transformed on a daily basis. Is that our experience? Because if we're into this thing about turning up once a week and doing the, doing the thing, God says, no, it's not what I want. It's not Even though you do it, I'm not going to accept it. I wonder how many churches, how many Christians, if they heard that today from God, would have to sit in judgment under that, or sit under that judgment. We're going through the motions, we're doing the right stuff. We, you know, it's not just 
you know, the, the nominal Christians that turn up once a week, once a year at Christmas. It's those that do it week in, week out. Sing all the songs, make all the noise. Perhaps stand at the front and preach. <laughs> Maybe. Play the instruments. Lead the church. Are we going through the motions? Are we going through the motions or is God really changing our hearts? Are we really, get, do we, are we really getting it? Even though you offer this stuff, even though you sing all the songs, you read your Bibles, you do all that stuff, even though you do all of that stuff, your heart's far from me. I'm not going to accept it. It's a warning there for us, isn't there? And there's one final passage I want to take us to, and that's in the New Testament now. You know, we have this story in Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to, to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. God never asks anything of us. Never asks anything of us that he doesn't do himself or hasn't done himself. And in Jesus we find the ultimate example of what this even though faith looks like. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship. Jesus, my God, my Father can save me, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to go through with this. Even though I walk in the valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Jesus, even though I walk this path, I will fear no evil, because you're with me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. The words are not quite the same, but the the faith is the same. It is this even though faith. Jesus walked that path. And the question for us is, are we going to follow his example? Jesus asks of us obedience. He asks us to be willing to surrender to his plan. Sarah said earlier, his plan is not our plan, his time is not our time. The question is, are we prepared to be obedient and and follow what he asks of us? Surrendering to his will in our lives. Now, if we want to win the battle for our minds, and there's a sense of this, think about the table analogy and that sense of coming up close around that. There is that picture, isn't there, of the table where God is there and he's inviting us to sit with him. But for us to do that, we need to have even though faith. Even though this stuff is happening, even though it's tough, even though it's painful, even though there's death, there's sickness, there's illness, even though all this stuff is going on, and and yes, God, you can save us and you can change everything, all that stuff, even though we're not going to bow down, we're not going to give in, we're not going to surrender, we could continue to be obedient. We could continue to do what God wants us to do. We're not going to go through the motions of just turning up and doing the singing and all the sacrifices once a week stuff. We're not going to do that. We want to, we want to live with Jesus daily. We want to kind of continue to grow daily. 
We need to press in on a daily basis to learn from him and to, to allow God to shape us and to change us and to transform us. Because we want to be more like him, not less like him. But the question is, what's it going to be, folks? What's it going to be? And this was the challenge for me. It's the challenge for you. What are we going to do about this? Do we have even though faith? Let's pray.